Hi folks, it's Rob from the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop. For a few years, I wrote, produced, and hosted a podcast called When You Hear This Sound, a show about the weird and wonderful world of read-along record books and storybook vinyl. As my life got more and more hectic, the episodes became fewer and farther between, until finally I stopped production in April of 2016. I've decided to include these old episodes as part of the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop, not only because I'm pretty proud of them, but because I would like to occasionally put out new When You Hear This Sound episodes under the Audio Workshop banner. I still have well over 100 read-along record books in my collection, and there are a few whose story behind the story would be well worth telling. As you listen to these old episodes, please note that the show notes will not be as extensive as they originally were. The websites where the podcast was hosted are long gone, as are the original show notes. So if you want to know more about something I mentioned in the episode, check the Audio Workshop's website, spacemonkeyx.net, but you may need to do a little Googling on your own. However, if there is a book included with the record, you will be able to find scans of it at the website. So please enjoy this archived episode of When You Hear This Sound, and be sure to look for new ventures into vinyl here at the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop in the future. Hello, boys and girls. I'm your Peter Pan storyteller. This is the story of the last starfighter. This is the story of gremlins. This is the story of Tron. This is the story of Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is the story of the Empire Strikes Back. You can read along with me in your book. You can follow the story along with me. Every time you hear this sound. Every time you hear this sound. Turn the pages when you hear this sound. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the computer sound like this. Let's begin, let's begin now. Hello folks, thanks for joining me this week for the latest episode of When You Hear This Sound. For the last few shows, we've been listening to the Star Wars trilogy of record books. As any film fan knows, Star Wars is an homage to 1930s serial adventures like Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon. Every week, movie theater audiences were treated to a new chapter in an ongoing story, usually resulting in a cliffhanger ending that made fans want to come back next week to discover how our daring hero would escape certain peril this time. While the idea of serialized film was new in the 1930s, authors had been writing serial fiction since the invention of the printing press. Modern serialized fiction began in the mid-1800s, when authors like Charles Dickens commonly released novels in episodic form for wealthy, well-educated readers. However, it wasn't until the Industrial Revolution that the common man had time to read for pleasure, which resulted in a growing demand for fiction. Many publishers were scrambling for content and printing just about anything that came across their desk, all in an effort to get a piece of the lucrative fiction pie. They soon found that serialized stories were a great way to increase sales, but they had to make it cheap enough for the common reader to spend his hard-earned money just to see how the story ended. They opted to cut production costs by using low-quality wood pulp paper, allowing them to sell a single issue for as little as a penny. As magazines grew in popularity, the stories became less highbrow and more lurid, featuring violence, sex, and any number of vices, earning themselves the nickname The Penny Dreadfuls. The Penny Dreadfuls eventually morphed and then splintered into the various genre magazines of the 1920s and 30s. Now a reader could pick his poison between titles like Amazing Stories, Weird Tales, Spicy Detective Stories, Western Story Magazine, and periodicals dedicated to the adventures of proto-superheroes like Doc Savage and The Shadow. 
The pulps, as they were known, because they used the same type of cheap wood pulp paper as the Penny Dreadfuls, gave many notable writers of the 20th century the opportunity to be seen by a wider audience. Authors like Ray Bradbury, Isaac Asimov, Rudyard Kipling, H.P. Lovecraft, Dashiell Hammett, H.G. Wells, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and even Agatha Christie all got their starts in the seedy world of pulp fiction. One prominent pulp author was Robert Irvin Howard. Born in 1906, Howard grew up during the rise of the pulps, and was able to translate his early childhood experiences with schoolyard bullies and time spent inside the boxing ring into a lucrative career as an adventure writer. Howard saw the world as black or white, and many of his protagonists were violent, sullen, vengeful antiheroes like Cull the Conqueror and the Puritan vampire slayer Solomon Cain. But none of Howard's creations have become as well-known as Conan the Barbarian. Conan was conceived as part of a larger world built by Howard called the Hyborian Age, a fantastic alternative timeline of history that featured mythical creatures, magical sorcerers, and tribes of warlords. Conan the Barbarian, described as a giant man with volcanic blue eyes and a black square-cut mane, was part of the Sumerians, a brutish group of hunter-gatherers descended from the people of Atlantis who came ashore after the city was destroyed by the sea. An early version of the character appeared in a poem written by Howard called Samaria, but his first official adventure was The Phoenix on the Sword, published by the pulp Weird Tales in 1932. Howard would go on to write 17 Conan stories over the next four years, essentially creating the sword and sorcery subgenre of fiction. Unfortunately, Howard would never live to see how influential his brutal barbarian would become. In 1936, moments after doctors informed him that his sick mother would never wake from a coma, Howard walked out to his car, got a 38 pistol from the glove box, and shot himself in the head. He survived for about eight hours before passing away, and his mother died the next day. Since his death, the adventures of Conan the Barbarian have continued in virtually every medium imaginable. Authors such as L. Sprague de Camp and Lynn Carter carried on the Conan novels. Comic book giant Marvel has published numerous Conan series over the years, most notably Conan the Barbarian, which ran from 1970 until 1993, and Savage Sword of Conan from 1975 till 1995. It could be argued that these comics did more for helping the longevity of the character than even Howard's original stories. It was, in fact, the popularity of the comics that brought about the 1982 film Conan the Barbarian starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, which went on to gross nearly $100 million at the box office world. Worldwide. Unfortunately, Conan's popularity died after the sequel, 1984's Conan the Destroyer, was a major disappointment. The film was originally given an R rating, but the producers decided to recut the film in order to get a PG rating, removing much of the violence and giving the overall film a more comedic tone. The neutered barbarian still brought in around $100 million, but received almost universally bad reviews from critics and audiences alike. While Conan has never reclaimed the same level of popularity he enjoyed in the 1970s and 80s, the character has never really gone away. He's been slinking through the background of pop culture, in cartoons, TV shows, role-playing games, video games, and more ever since. Most recently, 2011 saw the release of a new Conan film starring Game of Thrones' Jason Moma. However, the intended franchise reboot earned back barely half of its $90 million budget, so there are no plans to continue the series. There's been talk of a new movie that's a direct sequel to the original 1982 film called The Legend of Conan. In an interesting twist, Legend would bring the former governor of California back to the role that helped make him famous, starring as an old, grizzled king who must protect his people from a new type of enemy. However, a writer was only recently hired to work on the script, so it's unlikely it will make its proposed 2014 release date. Meanwhile, Conan the comic book hero has found a new home at Dark Horse Comics, who has been printing new, ongoing adventures and classic collections since 2003. Of course, since the Sumerians' popularity was at a peak in the 1970s, it should come as no surprise that Power Records released a Conan the Barbarian story album in 1976. The record featured four tales, The Jewel of the Ages, The Thunder Dust, Shadow of the Stolen City, and The Crawler in the Mists. 
Normally licensed record books were either entirely original stories or audio adaptations of existing stories, but in this case, two of the stories on the Conan album were later adapted into other mediums. In 1980, Jewel of the Ages became a storyline in the daily Conan newspaper comic strip. That same year, Crawler in the Mists was expanded and printed in Marvel Comics' Conan the Barbarian number 116. Crawler in the Mist was also released separately by Power Records as a comic book record set in 1976, whose introductory splash page became the cover of Conan number 116. Okay, 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 enough with the history lesson. Let's check out Crawler in the Mists and Jewel of the Ages from Power Records' 1976 release, Conan the Barbarian. First, the motion is not unlike the monotonous rolling of waves lapping softly against the shore. Then the constant movement becomes a ragged bumping, and a solenoid barbarian struggles back to consciousness to find himself not on some great slave ship prowling the Argosian shore, but rather on a ship of the desert. A foul-smelling camel. Huh? Where am I? What's happening here? Welcome back to the land of the living, my friend. You have slept for quite some time. Who are you, little man? What am I doing astride this ugly beast? I am called Rasto, Barbarian. I am a trader bound for the marketplace at Nesantia. My fellows and I found you lying unconscious along the shore, so we thought we'd take you with us, rather than leave you as food for the vultures. So you bound me with his length of... So you bound me with his length of... So you bound me with his length of... So you bound me with his length of chain. But to protect me from those birds, I take it. As I told you, my friend, I am a trader. And you are a piece of valuable merchandise which will bring a most tidy sum on the Misantian slave block. And what makes you think I'm ever going to reach that slave block, you shriveled little worm? Well, there's certainly no way you can escape me, barbarian. The other end of the chain that binds you is shackled to my wrist. Accept it, my friend. You're my prisoner. But since this chain indeed has two ends, little worm, who is to say which of us is really the prisoner here? By Ishtar, the barbarian yanked little Rasto out of his saddle as if he were no more than a child. Do we allow the dog to get away with that, my brethren? If you had half the brains you were born with, fools, you would turn tail and run. But since I'm certain you do not, let us get on with the battle and be done with it. Alone and unarmed, you challenge us thus, barbarian? Come forward and see. Then stand your ground, dog, and die. Howling like wild desert wolves, the traders charge forth, their scimitars glinting in the sunlight and the fire-eyed Cimmerian meets their attack gladly, his teeth bared and snarling. Put, put me down, barbarian! Please, put me... Watch out! The crazy barbarian is using Rasto as a flail to... He's, he's whirling the little one around on the end of the chain like a... Look out! Our camels! Our camels! Enough, barbarian... Oh, we yield. Oh, you, 
You, you have scattered our camels, beaten us senseless. Frankly, you're more trouble than you're worth. Be gone, barbarian, and good riddance to you. Free me from this cursed shackle, little worm, and I will gladly be on my way. Certainly, barbarian. I have the key right here in my robes. Just let me... Pierre, no. What is it, little worm? Key. In, in the heat of battle, I seem to have lost it somewhere in the sand. Bell's bones. It figures. Well, little worm, if I were to leave here, it seems I'll have to remove your scrawny wrist to remove your shackle. Re remove my, 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 my wrist? Or take you with me until I can find someone to free us from these cursed chains. My, my, my wrist? Oh, don't worry, little worm. I'll leave your precious wrist. What good, after all, is a one-handed traitor? Such as you needs both hands free to pick your customer's purse. <laughs> now, come. Climb up in the saddle behind me and let us be gone. Climb in the saddle be behind you? Would you rather I dragged you along behind me? <laughs> you can move swiftly for one so small and twisted, little worm. Given such a choice, wouldn't you, barbarian? Wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Get on, you ugly beast. Get on. We have been traveling for many hours now, barbarian. Are you certain you know where we are going? You are bound for the marketplace at Mesantia. It seems as good a destination as any. Then why are we traveling in this direction, barbarian? Mesantia lies to the south. So do your companions, little worm. We will strike our own course for Mesantia, one with less chance of... <laughs> Eyes of Ishtar. On that rise before us. A city? But there is no city on the desert sands, unless... For a change, fortune smiles on us, little worm. It's growing dark. Yonder will make a fine place to pass the night and to finally rid myself of this shackle and you. Paparian, wait. I pray you pass that city by. Let us find other lodgings for the night. What are you jabbering about, little worm? A city awaits to welcome us, and you'd rather have us sleep under some desert rock? Please, Paparian... I have heard legends of this city in the sands. Legends of a hideous creature that prowls its streets by night, carrying human victims off to its hidden lair somewhere in the ruins at the city's edge. In the name of sanity, Black Mane, let us pass this dreadful place by. Uh, I'm weary, little worm. And that city offers the promise of a soft bed and more. But... No buts, little worm. That city is where we're going. And the way I'm feeling right now, any monster that dares attack me does so at its own peril. Now, move on, you foul-smelling brute. Stop complaining. Good evening, citizen. Can you tell me where to find a blacksmith who could help Go me... Go away, stranger. Leave Kamala while you still have the chance. You are right, little worm. The people here are not exactly what you would call hospitable. Please, barbarian, let us follow the man's advice. Silence, worm. There must be someone here willing to talk to us. You were saying, barbarian? Look around you. The people slam shut their doors and windows as we approach. We are obviously not wanted here, my friend. Perhaps not, little worm, but we are still staying, even if we must spend the night right here in the city square. Here, barbarian? Aye, little worm. 
These cobblestones will make as soft a pillow for our heads as any desert rock. Good night, barbarian. Good night, little worm. Try not to rattle the chains, will you? I sleep lightly. Ishtar, some great misshapen slug has grabbed hold of the little worm, dragging me along by the chain on my wrist. Got to pull free before... Hi, Eric. The creature snapped the chain as if it were only twine. I've got to free the little worm while there's still... My head, reeling. And... The slug thing has carried little Rasto off into the mists. Uh, I'm rid of them both, then. All I need to do is mount up and ride off. There's nothing more to keep me here. Except Chrysidor. But I've grown unusually fond of that twisted little man. It appears there's no other course open to me but to follow that milky white crawler into the mists and bring little Rasto back. Little Rasto spoke true. The crawler has indeed carried him to these ruins at the city's edge. Now all I have to do is find them before... There, slithering into the crumbling of that temple. It's them. But I can still reach them before they're lost in the darkness of... Another slug beast. Coal black, where the first one was white. It bars my path, slithers forward as if to attack. Well, if it's battle it seeks, then battle it has found. This creature's flesh is part of Arcanian steel. My blade cannot pierce it. Curse those writhing tentacles. If, if one of them get a grip on me, it can crush my chest to a bone. But if my sword cannot slay the beast, then what? That tall stone pillar, it's already cracked and rutted with age, and the blow that creature's tentacle just dealt it has not improved its condition. If I can manage to weaken its support, then lure the monster into place. Yes, it just might work. I am a... I wish I had a sturdy axe to use upon this pillar. But it seems my sword serves just as well. Fragments of the stone fall away, even as the creature draws near. The beast is almost in place. I have to put my back into it, send this pillar toppling over on that... Curse it! Oh, that monster! What sorcery is this? 
Wires and coils jut from the slain creature's broken back. Wires that leap and congeal as if lightning lived within them. There is more madness afoot here than readily meets the eye. I'm not so sure I want to know from whence it came, but... The white-fleshed creature's trail is easily followed. A ribbon of slime that leads deep into this crumbling temple. But where... Crom! Light up ahead! Apparently my questions have answers. There, before that shimmering veil of light, the ivory-skinned slug thing. And Rasto! Patience, little worm! A moment longer, and my sword will set you free. Barbarian! Wait! You don't know what you're doing! That creature must not be slain! You speak nonsense, little worm! That monster has bewitched you! But still, I'll... Stop! Where you are, Conan of Cimmeria, for the sake of us all. That voice, thundering inside my head. But what? Who? I am Minaj, he whom you called monster. I am the last of my race. For centuries I have dwelt here, alone. But for the mechanical companion I created for myself, the automaton you so callously destroyed outside in the mists, for no good reason. My life is all the reason that I need, creature. The companion meant only to detain you, Cimmerian, not injure you. You simply did not understand its motivations. It seems your race never understands. I never meant to harm the people of Kamala. I've sought only to help. I have taken the frail, the crippled, the aged, the infirm of Kamala, and granted them the gift of peace and new life in the land beyond this shimmering veil. Such is the gift I will now grant the one called Rasta. Now do you see, barbarian? Now do you understand? Come, little one. It is time for us to go. There is nothing more to keep us here. No, come back. You can't... I cannot pass through this shimmering veil. But Rasto and the monster had no trouble in... Rasto? My eyes must deceive me. Beyond the veil, a great golden realm. Beautiful, handsome people laughing, frolicking. And Rasto? Rasto no longer frail and twisted, but standing straight and tall and full of life. I must see more. I must. No. The veil begins to cloud, obscuring my view. Let me through, curse you. Let me through. No, Samaria. Though it sorely grieves me, I cannot let you pass. There is no place for you beyond the veil, so long as there is such fury in your heart, such violence in your soul. Forgive me, Conan, but there is no place for a sword-wielding serpent it's gone. Rasto, the monster, the veil, all of it. Gone. Head bowed, jaw clenched, Conan of Samaria turns away from the ruins, striding solemnly back to his mount, waiting in the village square. Without another word, the barbarian slides into the saddle and rides away, leaving the city in the desert wastes and the gates of paradise far from him. Huh? 
Dodger, we've won again. This is good. But what is best in life? The open step. Fleet horse. Falcons at your wrist. Wind in your hair. Wrong! Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of their women. That is good. That is good. that between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis and the gleaming cities and the rise of the sons of Arias, there was an age undreamed of when shining kingdoms lay spread across the world like blue mantles beneath the stars. Hither came Conan the Cimmerian, black-haired, sullen-eyed, sword in hand, to tread the jeweled thrones of the earth under his sandaled feet. The journey through the bitter Northlands has been long, arduous, but a certain grim-visaged Cimmerian has grown accustomed to hardship. Head nodding, almost asleep in the saddle, Conan rides through the desolate wastes, the chill wind moaning past his ear. Uh -huh. I must be more tired than I thought. For an instant I'd have sworn I heard the wind calling my name. devils. Then I wasn't dreaming. Something in the wind did call my name. Something summons me. And it is a summons too intriguing to ignore. Across the angry wastes, the young Sumerian gallops, the beckoning wind song growing ever louder until... There, horse. The moaning seems to come from that cavern. Wait here, old hardspur. Devils, this cavern is blacker than a moneylender's heart. I cannot see even my sword outstretched before me. It's as if... Welcome, Conan of Samaria. Come you closer and stand before my bubbling cauldron. Who are you, stander in shadows, that you know my name? I am Chrysilla. And there is little I do not know about you, my friend. Look into my cauldron, into the swirling mists of change, and know I speak the truth. <sighs> By the eyes of Ishtar, images form. Images I recognize. Look closely, Conan, and behold a babe born on a Cimmerian battlefield less than twenty winters past. A child able to lift a sword almost before he was able to walk. A youth who received his baptism of blood and fire at distant Vanaheim just one year ago. A budding man come to seek his fortune in more civilized lands. Your illusions fail to frighten me, O Kron. Whatever I might one day be, I am now but a poor wandering mercenary. What do you want with me? Look into the mists of change once more, barbarian, and you will see. 
Mitra. Never before have I seen a gem of such magnificence. It's as big around as a fat man's head, and it glitters like, like a fallen star. It is called the Jewel of the Ages, and with your help, Cimmerian, it is my intention to steal it. <laughs> Despite your mysterious manner, you're no better than I am. You're merely a cut purse in conjurer's clothing. No, barbarian. It is the sorcerer Shara Khan who is the villain here. For centuries, the jewel of the ages belonged to my family until the self-serving Shara Khan, who had been my father's loyal advisor, purloined the enchanted gem and cast my poor father, his king, into dark imprisonment. Conan, only you of all men have the strength of purpose. The strength of limb to help me regain the ancient jewel and restore my father to his throne. And what am I supposed to gain from all this? What have you to offer me, shadowy one, that I would throw myself so readily into? A great black wolf, as tall as a man. No, Conan, far more than a wolf. The demon beast of Shara Khan has found me at last. Then let it now find the point of my sword. Conan. Oh, this beast weighs as much as a mountain. There. That's better. Here, old woman. Give me your hand. Let me help you to your feet as well. Huh? You're no old crone. Priscilla, you're a young woman. You see now why I need your aid, Cimmerian? A woman alone, despite my poor mystic powers, would be no match for the master sorcerer Shara Khan, but with you at my side... Again, woman, why should I involve myself in this? Granted that you're indeed a handsome-looking wench, but... What else do I stand to gain? The priceless jewel of the ages. It is needed only to restore my father to his throne, and once that is done, it is yours. But before we can accomplish anything, we must return to my father's castle. And how are we to find that place? I need only press this graven stone set into the cavern wall and... A tunnel, eh? <laughs> Woman, you're full of surprises. These ancient hills are laced with tunnels, and this one, the most secret of them all, leads home. Come, barbarian, follow me. Crom, but the air is stale in here. I can fairly taste it. Be patient, Cimmerian. You'll soon develop a taste for finer things, I assure you. Oh, we've reached our destination. And about time. Slinking through dark tunnels thus makes me feel not unlike a worm. Then step through this portal for me. Conan and Chrysilla enter a chamber which becomes a veritable temple. A crude stairway leads up to an ancient altar, upon which kneels a giant warrior carved of ebon stone. In its hands, the statue holds an ornate chalice, and in the chalice, upon a silken cushion, there rests... The jewel of the ages. 
Quickly, Kami, bring me the gem. The jewel is even more beautiful than the image you conjured. Well, back at last, are you? I've awaited your return anxiously, Chrysilla. And I see you brought along a friend. Turn this way, barbarian, and give proper greeting to your host. Shara Khan? You know me, barbarian. I'm flattered. And you, Chrysilla, do you know my companion? Father, curse you, Shara Khan. Why have you chained him? I merely thought it appropriate, my dear, that your beloved, if doddering, parent be present to witness your most untimely demise. If there is death to be dealt here, wizard, it is I who will do the dealing. Ah, the overconfidence of youth. A shame, barbarian, you will not live to experience old age. The lame wizard merely gestures, and the giant stone warrior rises to its feet. The statue is alive. By Krom, it's alive! A condition you'll not labor under much longer, my pitiful friend. We'll see who's pitiful here, sorcerer. Aye, barbarian. Indeed, we will! <laughs> no, Shere Khan. You can't do this terrible thing. Can't I, Chrysilla? Obviously, I can do anything I want. And right now, I want your bold barbarians dead. <laughs> Back and forth across the high stone altar, the battle rages. Conan fighting savagely to survive until he chances to notice the maniacal Shara Khan and suddenly realizes... The stone warrior echoes the sorcerer's every move. As if it were a part of the wizard himself. If I can defeat one... Perhaps I'll have defeated them both. Do you see, Trissima? Your barbarian's well-worn sword is useless against my champion. My giant warrior is forcing the Sumerian back, back to the very edge of the altar. One fine lunge and... Look, Shara Khan. Conan is diving between your creature's legs. The giant cannot stop its lunge in time. It's toppling over the altar's edge. No! The stone giant shatters into a thousand fragments. Its sound mingles with the piercing scream of Shara Khan, almost as if it had been he who fell, and in a way it was. My Eric, Shara Khan has fallen as well, his body lying twisted exactly like the shattered body of the statue. His sorcery was truly greater than... Huh? Priscilla, wh what are you doing with the jewel of the ages? Put the gem down, woman. Put it down. Here, Father, take the enchanted jewel. Drink of its life-giving forces. Be whole once more. Be whole. Thank you, Priscilla. You are truly a daughter a king can be proud of. By the demons of Ishtar, what wizardry is this? Before my eyes, that shriveled old man grows younger, straighter, stronger. It is the power of the jewel of the ages, Conan. The power of life everlasting. 
For centuries, my family has used this mystic gem to defy death's dark forces, draining its power a bit at a time, as my father just has. Now the gem's power is drained dry at last, and without that energy to sustain it, it is not even a shining jewel anymore, but merely... Dust. The jewel has turned to dust in your hands. But you promised it to me. Forgive me, Conan, but there was no other way. It was all merely a ruse. I feared you would not help me without the proper reward. And you might well have been right, woman. But it appears I will be paid for my troubles after all. This chalice you so casually threw aside will be ample payment indeed. There is much a man can purchase with a chalice made of solid gold. Ha, 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 